It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman, joined with Nick Durst. We're here to talk about a big day of college football and NFL football. Welcome to the show. Nick, how's it going? Michael, I got my New York Giants uh, division champions hat on for 2008. The 2-7 and New York Giants right back in the mix. Looking to make their push for the NFC set at this point. That's what I got a roof for because they ain't getting Trevor Lawrence. Uh, so they might as well go ahead and try to win the, win the division. And the only other time that uh, – those two other times that teams have won a division under 500, they both won a playoff game. So will the Giants continue that trend? I don't know. I don't know how much of this game you watched yesterday. Well, let's start with this one. Uh, Daniel Jones, he did have a fumble, but he did not turn it over. Uh, and he, the best play of the game for Daniel Jones, he got – he took a huge sack and he did not throw the ball for interception or fumble. In the past, you know he does that. Uh, Giants win the game. Five takeaways for the defense. This defense is pretty damn good. It's held them in every game this year, and the Giants somehow, some way win the game. Uh, Alex Smith, really happy to see him back out there, though. That was his first touchdown pass in uh, 700 days, so awesome for him, but... Now you got this huge matchup next week between the Giants and the Eagles. Uh, if the Eagles lose, they're still in first because we got to remember they did have a tie, uh, and the Giants haven't had their bye week yet. But big playoff implications in that one. Uh, Cowboys, they, I guess they still got a chance, but uh, they actually looked okay with Gilbert, uh, and they could have won that game. Washington, they lose, of course, to the Giants. So they're for the first time in a long time, the Giants are out of the cellar in the NFC least. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be exciting, but the giants have not beat the Eagles in years. Uh, so let's not get the hopes up yet. Uh, giants have been in really most of their games this season. They had a chance to win, including that one against the Buccaneers. Everyone said, Oh, you know, just enough enough for the Buccaneers. But no, 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 Michael. That was not the case because the new Orleans saints whooped the Buccaneers. So that football, and showed why they are, in fact, the best team in the NFC. They finally have all their receivers back. The defense looked wicked. 
And, you know, Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees is a hell of a combination. So they, to me, are now the best team in the NFC, no doubt about it. Uh, and the Seahawks, they help them prove that because they go to Buffalo and Josh Allen. What a game by Josh Allen, Michael. Unbelievable. I know you weren't too high on Josh Allen coming out of the draft, but he's obviously proved he's the best quarterback in that draft. The way he moves around out of the pocket, he's throwing touchdown passes left and right. The Bills, they're going to win the, the AFC East. And now you got to start saying, okay, maybe they are contenders in the AFC because remember, they lost the two games in a row, but they lost to the Chiefs and the Titans. And both of those games moved around due to scheduling. So you got to give them maybe a pass there. They're going to win the AFC. But what a weekend of football. Uh, give me your thoughts first on any of those three games. Yeah, so first and foremost, I think the Bucks and Saints game was huge for the Saints in terms of confidence. I think a lot of these guys didn't like that they were kind of being dismissed as the second-best team in the NFC South whenever the Bucks had already played them that season, and they ended up beating them that first game. Now they get the season sweep, which is huge for their confidence, huge for any division ties that may happen. I don't think the Bucks are a pretender by any means. I mean, we've seen this happen countless times or Brady will have a bad performance and then they bounce back and it's just everyone's like, oh, wow, I, why did we ever doubt Brady? So I'm not writing off the Bucks, but this is definitely a very strong Saints team. In terms of roster talent is one of the most complete rosters out there with very little question marks throughout the entire team. And, you know, there's there's nothing more motivating for a lot of teams than a respected veteran quarterback that's on his final years. So Drew Brees, who was expected to retire last year, decided to come back another season, may potentially stay longer, who knows, but most likely this could be it for Drew Brees. So expect a very motivated team come playoffs. And, you know, the, the roster talent's there to where that motivation and that roster talent could equal a Super Bowl run. Yeah, I think, how do you, like, if you're a fan, unless you're, like, not a, you know, if you're, if your team's in it, obviously it's different, but how do you not root for Brees or Rodgers this year? Uh, to kind of get one more ring. Uh, we know these are two of the five greatest quarterbacks ever, uh, but they only have one ring. But, hey, you know, Dan Marino, he's one of the top five, too. And he only, he has none. So, But I'd love to see Breeze or Rodgers get a ring. And I, I do think they're the two best teams in the NFC. But, yeah, the Bucs are still going to get there. And if they could play defense like they did against the Packers a few weeks ago, how, how do you stop them? But – to me right now, the Saints head and shoulders above. First team to ever beat Brady two times in the regular season. Uh, and, you know, that that didn't surprise me one bit. Uh, the final score surprised me a little, but I knew the Saints were going to come out ready to go and underdogs, and they were going to win that game, and they did. And it's really smooth sailing ahead here for the Saints. Uh, Seahawks, they lost, and the Cardinals had it right there for the take to, for the NFC West lead. And Zane Gonzalez misses a 49-yard field goal. Come on, man. I mean, that that's that's rough because that was an entertaining game. And Kyler Murray was so good in that game. Unstoppable. Looking around the league right now with this QB talent, it's it's just unreal how, how good some of these guys are. And how do you how could you not say that Kyler Murray uh and Justin Herbert are not future MVPs? Uh, Justin Herbert, again, absolutely ridiculous, uh, bleeds the big comeback, and then somehow the ball's not caught at the end of the game, and the Las Vegas Raiders, who I think are a playoff team, sneak away with the win. But, 
You got to be impressed, Michael, with Herbert and, and Kyler Murray and Josh Allen, these these young quarterbacks, three years, two years, and one year into the league. Yeah, these young quarterbacks are taking over the league, and it's very exciting to see whether it's Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Kyler Murray, as you said. There's so many young options. And then, you know, the, the guys that are already kind of established, like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are very young as well. Russell Wilson probably still has four or five years in him. So there's just there's so much to be excited about at the quarterback position and really with the way that the league is heading in terms of being a passing league, we're just going to get to see more and more. And, you know, with guys like Trevor Lawrence entering the league, hopefully guys like Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, a couple of them hopefully are successful as well. And we could see a very exciting era of football, one that uh, – we're kind of saying goodbye to as we close the books on the Peyton Mannings, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady, the Ben Roethlisberger, the Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, all those guys. And now we're getting to see this new era, and it's it's just as exciting. Absolutely, the new era. But, hey, Ben Roethlisberger and the old era are still, still flying high here. You know, the best start ever in Steelers history. I think they're going to get at least lost, but Steelers, you know, Ben Ben said it best. I wish I didn't have to do these fourth quarter comebacks. I wish I didn't suck in the first half, but the win's a win. And they pull it off against the Cowboys and they get the win there. Any other team, I think the other team probably beats the Steelers yesterday with the way they played, but Steelers do it. And, you know, Big Ben, he's not going to be getting any, you know, leading the league in any categories offensively, but the guy is the best leader uh in the afc and he's leading his team and you know it's really interesting we talked about it a few weeks ago but you know claypool is really like he's the go-to target now for for the steelers so smith schuster's gotta gotta worry about holding out next year for his contract because claypool is is a man among boys uh he's impressive and you have like a big statistical game but big ben's throwing to him every single chance he gets Connor looks good at in the backfield. They don't miss Brown at all. And their defense is is really phenomenal, Michael. Yeah, this receiver unit is great and the defense is phenomenal. Uh I'm not really sure I agree on the running back point. I feel like Snell is Snell is probably the better back, but overall the running back group is just disappointing in general. I think they could be a team that kind of surprises and drafts the running back early in this next upcoming draft. But Overall, the Steelers team definitely is something that a lot of people should be getting excited about because you have a great defense. You have a QB that's been there before and knows what he's doing, and you got all these weapons in the passing game. It's just entirely a a great system and recipe for success. So the Steelers are definitely on a good track for hopes of contention. Yeah, I think uh, anybody who who is putting – even the Chiefs ahead of them right now, uh, I think it's, it's a little disrespectful. Uh, but the way the Steelers are playing, because really, like, yeah, this game was close, but there really hasn't been a game this season where you felt at any point, oh, the Steelers are going to blow this one. Maybe Week One against the Giants, the Giants play them tough, but uh, you never really thought the Steelers were going to lose that game. And look at them last year, eight and eight without Roethlisberger, he's making a huge, huge difference. Uh, and then. You know the other the other games around the league. The Ravens they put their foot down and said, "Hey, enough of these people downing us. We're going to go out there, beat the Colts. They beat them down easily, twenty four to ten. 
and that was a pretty, pretty, you know, convincing victory, no doubt about it. Uh, the Vikings, they stomp all over the Lions. No surprise there. The Vikings, they, they kind of hurt themselves with a rough September, but they still have the talent there on paper. And, uh, you know, we've talked about it before. This could maybe be the end of Kirk Cousins, could be the end of Mike Zimmer. So they're going to be playing for their their, game, their wins and, and whatnot moving forward. Uh, and I think the, the game that might cause some chatter out of this, the Chiefs do hold on and win 33-31. Uh, but they they almost blew that one there. And I think we got to give a lot of credit to Matt Rule and what he's done with the Panthers so far this season, especially without Christian McCaffrey, who just came back this weekend and, of course, had a big day uh, catching the ball, running the ball, and, and whatnot. Yeah, and it's just phenomenal to see this offense operate. Joe Brady definitely deserves head coaching consideration, especially if a team like the Bengals decides to move on from Zach Taylor. You can bring in Joe Brady, reunite him with Joe Burrow, and you know maybe even draft Jamar Chase and just bring bring back the whole LSU team. But really, uh, it's a great step forward for the Panthers to compete in these games. Obviously, you want to win when you can. And Joey Sly had a 67-yard field goal, and the only reason he missed it was because it was too far right, not even because of power, which is ridiculous. And hopefully he gets another chance at it because I think he could hit. But – this Panthers team, if you are a fan, obviously, you know, losing season isn't something that you love, but you're definitely excited about the future of this team. You have weapons all around with DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel, if you bring back Samuel in the future. Christian McCaffrey is obviously a great running back. The offensive line has been a little bit better than usual. They could potentially use some guys on that unit. And then the defense, which is very young, a lot of young guys that are being op- being put into the system, put into the rotation – they produce at a really great level. So, I mean, it's exciting to be a Panthers fan right now, and hopefully they capitalize on this opportunity to continue building and potentially become a contender. Yeah, I think I think in the next year or two, they should definitely be competing for a division title. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I know you had questions about Teddy Bridgewater long-term, but uh, I do think most likely, at least next year, he's probably going to be the starting quarterback. I don't see any scenario where he wouldn't be. I think the big thing for Panther fans right now is just the NFC South is kind of all expiration dates for these teams. You have the Falcons that are operating under Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, who are both over 30 already, and they're not even that great of a team right now. They're still trying to build their roster. And then you look at the Buccaneers with Brady at QB. Yes, they have a young defense that has a lot of talent. They have a young receiving core that has a lot of talent. But really, until they get that QB, they're they're not going to be a team that's just – guaranteed to be the top of the division so that's an opportunity there and the saints are in cap hell right now with how many contracts that they have for guaranteed money they are fully selling out for the chance to take advantage of their championship window so the second that they have to lose breeze or whatever they're going to be losing a lot of people on their contracts because they know hey we can't operate like this forever we need to find a way to get rid of some of these contracts and kind of blow it up a little bit. And maybe they'll survive that blow up and still be a great team like they potentially are. But at the moment, it seems like all NFC South teams are definitely expiring while the Panthers are kind of trending up. You got to see Jameis Winston play there at the end of Sunday football against his Buccaneers. 
you think he's going to end up staying uh, with the Saints? Do you think the Saints, if, if Breeze retires, they'd, they'd consider going with him as their quarterback? I think they'd consider it for sure, but I just, I'm not sure if anyone else wouldn't be able to beat out the offer that the Saints can make at the moment. And I know that they're great at manipulating the cap and figuring out how to bring in guys with pushing money elsewhere. But at the moment, I, I just, it's so difficult to see. They're paying guys like Taysom Hill, like 19 million. And it's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how it works. Taysom Hill, maybe they'll put him at quarterback. He had a big game blocking, passing, catching, receiving. This guy really came out of nowhere like a year or two ago. And it was so funny listening to Chris Collinsworth kept saying, oh, you know, Hill is just like Tebow. Uh, well, Tebow's better than Hill. Uh, and he just was never given the chance to do what, what Hill's doing. Uh, I think the Jets, they absolutely ruined Tebow because if he went to another team that was going to be open-minded like Sean Payton, I think you'd still see Tebow making a major impact on Sundays, don't you think? I could see it for sure. I think Tebow was a phenomenal athlete, and he definitely kind of showcased that ability at Florida. And even at Denver, he had some great plays. So, you know, in a in a utility position, I could see Tebow having some some decent success. Yeah, I think I think missed opportunity there by by the league, and he kind of got blackballed out of the league there. Uh, all right, other game here that we we should we should touch on a little bit. The Titans win uh, against the Bears again. Nick Foles is not looking good, Michael. I know Trubisky is out the injury, but do you think the the Nick Foles starting era here is coming to a close soon? Will they will they ultimately go back to Trubisky before, let's say December? I think that we're going to see Foles for the rest of the season, but I'm not sure that I think Foles is anywhere close to their option for the future. Uh, right now, you look at just how talented this roster is. They are so clearly a QB away, but it's about finding a QB that can really operate and effectively play in the system. That's why someone like Mac Jones I would love to see on this team just because I think he has the arm strength to work in Chicago. I think he has the skill set to make it work. And you look at just how talented this roster is, I think he wouldn't be asked to do much, and he could really just operate while still maintaining for his team. Yeah, I, I, I no doubt about that. Um, I think I just think that the Bears really want to think they're contenders. They got to do something at quarterback. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think Nick Foles has like nine career wins outside of Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, that's something to be said there. Is that also the, the Jaguars spent all this money on him last year and they, they sent him shipping. But, you know, speaking of the Jaguars, uh, you know, they almost pulled off yesterday, but. Jake Luton is definitely on my rookies of the week list. I don't know if he, I don't know if he made yours. That uh, you know he shoves the defend the cornerback out of the way, and he does this ridiculous spin move uh, to get in the end zone at the end of the game. But unfortunately, the Jaguar, or maybe fortunately for the Jaguars, they can't get the two point conversion. They lose the game twenty seven to twenty five uh, against Romeo Cornell's Texans, and. Uh, they are in play for Trevor Lawrence, just like we thought they were going to end up being. Uh, so a lot of the pressure is on the Jets now to not to not win a game this season. But I liked what I saw out of Luton. I don't know. I don't know what you knew about him moving into this. I didn't know he was so mobile. But the Oregon State quarterback was drafted in the sixth round this year. So what what did you think about his play? Yeah, and it was very impressive for a first start for anyone. Uh, sadly, did not make my rookies of the week team. 
but he he definitely has shown some promise, and it seems like the Jaguars are just great at scouting late round quarterbacks. So maybe they should just stick to it, you know, potentially try to find another sixth rounder next year and just keep keep the ball rolling at the moment. Uh, ultimately, with Luton, what happened in his situation was he came into Oregon State as this big quarterback. He had some struggling play, but also just dealt with injuries nonstop. And then finally got a senior year and he put together a great season. And now he has been drafted to the Jaguars and has ultimately really kind of shown out. And it's only one game. And hopefully we get the rest of the season to really evaluate this guy and see what happens. But it was a good start for sure for Jake Luton and potentially a start to something special. Start last year at Minshew. So maybe maybe this becomes a new mania here. Uh and the other game we didn't touch on yet is that Raheem Morris now three and zero with the, with his, the Falcons in the, in the in the interim, I believe, or three wins with them. And the Falcons beat the Broncos 34-27. I see some people saying, "Oh, maybe Drew Locke isn't the future with the Broncos." I don't. I really see how you could look at Drew Locke's play. Obviously, it's hard this year and say that this guy doesn't deserve to at least continue next year as a starting quarterback. I, I like what I've seen out of him in his, his short career so far. Yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of Locke, but I also didn't love him as a prospect, so I feel like that kind of brings in a little bias on my end. I think right now, though, he's shown a lot of the similar issues that he had as a rookie and as a college quarterback that are concerning teams and fans around the league, and it's just the question of can he really grow if he hasn't grown yet? And I think he can. I think he's shown enough promise to where you can at least – look to see what he has next year, but it really just depends on where the Broncos end up in this draft order and what opportunity they have. If they have a chance to Trey Lance, have an opportunity to pay, take Justin Fields, uh, they may potentially pass on keeping Drew Locke and just ultimately going with the QB that they think could potentially be the future, and it's probably lower risk to try to take a guy that you're getting for five years and hoping to develop than you are trying to hope someone can kind of recover from a bad start. And you know, ultimately, I think the Broncos have a lot of roster holes to where they could pass on a quarterback and be completely justified right now. I think there's a lot of positions that they could use help at, especially linebacker, cornerback, etc. So we'll see ultimately, like really right now, they have so much in place that you kind of see for why they should have hope going forward. But really, until we see them put it together on the field and convert that into wins. There's, there's so much that you have to do in the draft and it may be small needs or small improvements that make a world of difference. So whether that's QB or whether that's on the defensive side of things or what, it'll be interesting to see. Glock Lesnar wants to know if he missed the Raiders talk. No, you're right on time. We're saving the Raiders talk for you. Uh, John Gruden's Raiders, Michael looking good. They're looking like a playoff team and Carr. He's he's fully bounced back. Um, people were down at him, but the guy's moving the ball downfield. He's throwing with precision, and most importantly, the Raiders they just keep winning. And right now, with everything that they have gone through this season, I feel like it has shown that they just have a lot of promise in this team. They've had some outings where they didn't do as hot, and obviously, you want to really see more out of the team whenever it comes to some of these bigger games where you don't want to see them getting blown out or you don't want to see them just kind of having no answers on defense. And I think that's something that they'll continue having to improve on. Uh, Herbert had a great day against them and you kind of saw really 
just them escape with a victory in this situation with the ball kind of falling through Donald Parham's hands. But it's a win regardless. And at five and three, it's hard to really get too angry about any shortcomings of your team. But there's still a lot of work to be done here for Gruden and Mike Mayock to build up this defense to get some more efficiency on offense. And, you know, I think Derek Carr's put together a strong year to where unless someone slips to the Raiders or something, or they just have a great trade up attempt, they shouldn't really look to draft a quarterback. At they least also early. got Mariota on the bench. Yeah. But really, I think once they start getting healthy on defense, getting some of those guys back and then trying to add a little bit more to the inside of this defensive line, maybe add another linebacker. I think, I think we could see the Raiders really take that next step. And so far with compared to last year, I think there's a lot of reason to be excited in Las Vegas or just Raider nation in general. Raider nation span, spanning the, the country, no doubt about it. Uh, obviously some big games in college football, but we're going to talk college football playoff in a little bit. So we'll save it for there. Uh, you know, uh, obviously every single week you could probably put Justin Herbert in for the rock, the Rockman rookies of the week. Um, you know, I'm assuming he'll be there again, but I'm guessing Tua is also going to make his season debut. Yeah, and let's bring it up. The Rockman's Rookies of the Week. First off, we got Tua Tagovailoa, 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns, and a big victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Tua Tagovailoa is now 3-0 and when he plays, 2-0 and as a starter. Miami is looking very good. Brian Flores has got this defense operating, even in a game where Arizona was able to score as well as they did. Miami was able to respond offensively, and that is huge for this team. I think right now you look at just the entire setup of the team, and there's still some needs that have to be met, but there's a lot to love about this Miami Dolphins squad. And with how young they are, it's just so exciting to watch. The next rookie of the week is the you know, consistent, repeating player that we see every week, and that is Justin Herbert, who threw 28 of 42, 326 yards and two touchdowns, and what should have been three touchdowns if Donald Parham did not drop this ball. A huge game for Justin Herbert. He continues to look like a great quarterback. It's very exciting to see a young QB operate at this level, and, you know, in the future, this is someone that we're going to be talking about as an MVP candidate, Right now, he's about 10 touchdown passes behind the touchdown record for rookie quarterbacks, and he is definitely on track to do that. The next player for Rookies of the Week is Jerry Judy. In his game, he had seven catches, 125 yards, and one touchdown, a big week against the Falcons. The Broncos knew, bringing in Jerry Judy, that they were getting a special receiver, but the question was just how fast is he going to produce for this team, and... It looks like he has flipped the switch. He showed off some great route running in this in this game. And when you're that key player for the team and you're relied on, it's it's huge. And having Jerry Judy for the Broncos is going to be huge going forward. The next rookie of the week is Jalen Johnson, who had 25 coverage snaps and only allowed one reception. And on that reception, zero yards were allowed. So it was a great outing for Jalen Johnson. Two pass deflections in that game. And Really, whenever you are such a dominant corner, it is huge for any defensive unit. It, it allows for teams to kind of redesign their defense and kind of allow you to be on your own area and 
allow people to be sent for, further into the box, whether it's closer to the box or on the line, able to blitz. So having a dependable young corner in Jalen Johnson is huge for Chicago Bears, a team that already has so much talent on defense. And Jalen Johnson just looks like another piece that will be very special for this unit. The last rookie of the week that we got is Cameron Curl of the Washington football team. 11 tackles with one big sack and two quarterback hits. Curl is a rookie coming out of Arkansas. A lot of people didn't really hype him up as a player in this draft, but he has shown to really have a great week against the Giants in this game. And when you're looking at the overall depth chart for Washington football team, strong safety is a huge need for them. And if Cameron Curl, the seventh-round pick, can produce at this level, then they're getting a steal of value and they get to really have this need filled with very little capital invested into it. And as Nick said, we'll give a little honorable mention to him. Jake Luton with a very strong outing against the Texans. Obviously didn't come away with the victory, but when you are working at such a unique situation with the start coming due to an injury to Gardner Minshew, he threw 26 to 38 with 304 yards and a touchdown. He also ran a 13-yard touchdown in for the Jaguars. A big game for him in his first start. Obviously, wasn't someone that a lot of people expected to be a star. Only a six-round pick. And, you know, if he continues to produce like this, maybe we could see a uh, – I think people are saying – about controversy? Yeah, people are saying that instead of uh, – Minshew mania, it's Luton lunacy. So we'll see what happens, <laughs> but definitely a great first week for Jake Luton and the Jaguar offense. Without about it, uh, no, just going back here with Jalen Johnson, he's really been just really solid this year. Uh, any surprise now that he was a you know mid? Well, almost like a late round, second round pick. I think he, he, he was probably one of the better cornerbacks uh, available. Honestly, right now, all my scouting of corners has seemed to be completely off the mark. I was big on Okuda and Igbenogany, and they both kind of struggled so far, whereas I was lower on Jalen Johnson, Damon Arnett, and they've looked pretty good. So may have to go back to the drawing board on how I scout cornerbacks because right now, not looking too hot for me. You know who we're really not seeing a lot of on uh, the, the Rockman Rookie of the Week list? Chase Young. What do you, what do you, has he been disappointing this season? I wouldn't say he's been disappointing. I think he's done a great job of really generating a presence on the defensive line. Uh, there were clips that I just got sent this morning that were Chase Young being triple teamed by the Giants in, in some of the snaps and a lot of times where he's being double teamed and a lot of times where – at the very least, they'd have the blocker on him and then try to send the running back in that direction just in case he got off the first block. And that's just a common case. And right now, Chase Young is going to have to deal with that, and hopefully he can still put up stats regardless. But right now, he just he's being treated like a beast edge rusher, and even though he's a rookie that hasn't gotten to fully prove it, I think it's, it's very warranted. So... Washington is probably very happy that they're getting two, three blockers put on him and can kind of work with the rest of their defensive line that's very talented. But I wouldn't say he's really been a bust so far. 
All right, all right. We'll, we'll see. Uh, you know, I, it just seems like as of late, and you know, maybe this is going to hurt Fields to a degree that these Ohio State stars are just being so overhyped in college. Uh, you know, think you can think back to Eli Apple, but really more recently with Dwayne Haskins, uh, now Chase Young, that they're almost put on this unattainable pedestal going into the league, and it's kind of like hard to to reach where people are projecting you to be. Everyone, people are silly saying Chase Young is going to be as good as Lawrence Taylor. Um, maybe that's some pressure from the Bosa brothers being so well in the pros. I don't know. But uh, Justin Fields, and we're going to transition here to the college football playoff picture. Do you think he is going to be living up to the hype? Or, I mean, because really, if you think back the last 15 years, there hasn't been a star quarterback to come out of Ohio State. You know, you had Pryor back in the day, but he really didn't – he didn't fulfill any – uh, you know, expectations. He ended up becoming a, you know, fifth, fourth string wide receiver. Uh, so is Fields a real deal? And, you know, is, is being an Ohio State quarterback going to help or hurt him going towards the draft here? I think Fields is a real deal. And I think we've seen in some of the recent games, they've kind of allowed him to develop his overall readiness as an NFL quarterback with further progression, stuff like that to really showcase how he's doing, handling full field reads, stuff like that. So it's definitely exciting, and I think he has a lot of potential. But I think the biggest thing for Justin Fields is landing in a spot where he can comfortably kind of operate. And, you know, if a QB is – if a coach is forcing this guy to kind of just stay in the pocket and not use his playmaking ability, yeah, he's definitely going to struggle and he's going to have issues. And while that doesn't mean that he's going to get exposed if he has to sit back and pass, I think it does kind of show that, like – you have to be able to adapt as a coach as much as you want your players to adapt to you. So if you're not willing to kind of game plan to his talent, then you're not really fully going to get what you can out of Justin Fields. And there's some great coaches that I hope he lands with that are currently offense coordinators, whether it's Greg Roman, Brian Dabble, Eric Bieniemy, that are kind of great at really knowing what it's like to let these QBs kind of operate as who they are instead of trying to force this prototype that we've seen on quarterbacks and try to make him fit into that mold instead really just let him be the playmaker that he is yes as a rookie maybe let him get away with a little bit more backyard football like bill o'brien did with Deshaun watson maybe let him run around a little bit more keep it easy with quick reads try to keep a lot of plays on you know really simple reading a few positions scheme guys open see what happens but the big thing is just as a rookie you need people that are kind of elevating your game for you. And that's why we've seen so many rookie QBs kind of fall in places that don't have a great system set up and they just are not good at all. Yeah. It's you know, a lot of it comes through with the coaching. So that's why I'm very worried for Trevor Lawrence. Obviously we don't know who the coach is going to be with the jets, but scary place to go. If you're uh, you know, the top prospect, because just look at the history of drafting quarterbacks, Sanchez, Geno Smith, Sam Darnold was drafted three years ago. So it's got to be a little scary if, if you're, if you're the quarterback, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, but, you know, Trevor Lawrence's team, big loss. Uh, Notre Dame pulls it off in overtime. Uh, and you know what? I don't, I don't think this hurts Clemson really at all, because I think, 
as long as Clemson wins out, they're still going to make the title, still going to make the college football playoff because they have they built an excuse there of, oh well, Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing. I think that kind of hurts Notre Dame too because typically, if if they beat Lawrence, how do you not move Notre Dame up from four to one? They only moved up from four to two, and Alabama moved up to one. Alabama does not have a win as big as 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 Notre Dame has this season with that one. Uh, so it's interesting now, and of course, Florida beats Georgia. And you know, I think they're 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 in the mix too. So uh, it really is going to come down to most likely if Florida beats Alabama, uh, then you say, oh well, maybe it's maybe maybe Alabama gets in a Clemson, but it's really probably going to come down to Florida and Clemson here for that fourth spot in the playoffs. Yeah, and ultimately. You know, whenever we hear about a quarterback throwing 400 yards, we aren't thinking, oh, well, they didn't have their starter, and now the game's excused. It was really on Clemson's defense for why they lost this game and allowing Ian Book to operate. But we're looking at the college football playoff picture, and there are a few teams that really control their own destiny. You got Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Clemson, Florida. Obviously, the undefeated teams with Indiana, Northwestern, Purdue, Wisconsin, if they were to win the Big Ten – then they would also kind of control their destiny and they're in as well. I think the most interesting situation though, is that we're going to see Notre Dame versus Clemson most likely unless they get a real opportunity and one of them blows it. Notre Dame has a game against North Carolina, which could potentially give Miami an opening to really enter that potential control your own destiny playoff picture. But The big one, I think, is Florida versus Alabama, which a lot of people aren't going to be talking about until we see it further down the line. But we just saw Kyle Trask put on a great show against Georgia's defense, which a lot of people kind of expected this to be a a huge matchup of great defense, great offense. We aren't sure who wins. But there was a clear winner in this one, and that was Kyle Trask and the Florida Gators winning 44-28. to The – Biggest thing for me is just how well this offense is able to operate in the air game. Kyle Trask wasn't just favoring one receiver at all. Even Kyle Pitts, his favorite target, ended up leaving before halftime, and they still were able to operate very well. And you look at just how well he spread out the ball, and it shows some great traits as a quarterback prospect. But that Alabama-Florida game in the SEC championship is going to be absolutely huge for who is that team coming out of the SEC What would be very interesting is Clemson beats Notre Dame, Florida beats Alabama, and then we're in this situation where all five of these teams are, you know, really in the mix for who should be that final playoff team. And I don't know if they would go with a one-loss Alabama who lost to Florida or a one-loss Notre Dame who split with Clemson. And, you know, everyone's going to have their opinion. Some people may be a little biased if they want to see a new team, or some people may be a little biased if they root for either team. But it will be a very interesting situation in that regard. Nick, if if we see Florida beat Alabama in the SEC championship in a close game and then Clemson beat Notre Dame in a close game, who do you think the four would be? Do you think they give the nod to Alabama or do you think they give the nod to Notre Dame? This might sound crazy, but I think they would – maybe put Alabama in over Florida. <laughs> uh, I, I just, it, I think they want to do it all they can to have the top four people on your list here in the title, the championship game. So, well, you know, Florida had another bad loss and 
because we saw this a number of years ago where Alabama they lost, they didn't even get to the the uh, the SEC championship game. They still ended up getting into the playoff and they won the playoff. So it's get trickier because a conference title should automatically grant you a bid, but it doesn't. So I don't I don't think you know if it's a close game, I wouldn't pretend rule that out. But I do think a one loss Notre Dame who loses to Clemson would get in over Alabama with a, with a one loss uh, just because, you know, I think uh, Notre Dame, they beat the team that is going to beat them. So how do you, how do you at that point, you know, say, all right, maybe we need to see a third showdown here, which would be unprecedented in college football. You never play a team three times in a season. And I think that'd be cool to say, but I also wonder what the scenario would be if somehow, some way, Ohio State gets upset in the regular season uh, and then they still end up, you know, winning the Big Ten. Uh, if, if in that case, they don't get in and then and Alabama would get in with one loss. Because I think, I think that's a strong possibility as well. Yeah, and we have a couple big games for Ohio State coming up. And one of them is Maryland next week, which – you know, a lot of people are going to be favoring Ohio State, but Talia Tagovailoa has looked very good lately. After his rocky first start, he has looked like an absolute star. And then, then next week they go and they play Indiana, who's undefeated right now, and I have them over there in the uh, undefeated Big Ten teams that I didn't didn't include fully in the graphic. No disrespect to my Hoosiers, Wildcats, Boilermakers, or Badgers out there. Just – uh saving a little bit of my time we got to make our own graphics so sorry about that <laughs> but it's very interesting to see these uh in the hunt teams you look at texas a&m really probably benefited most from their current schedule because now they are five and one and could very easily win out the rest of these games be nine and one they don't have to go to the conference championship assuming alabama wins out and they enter nine and one with no recent losses. Their loss came week two against Alabama. And that really just makes this game that much more beneficial. That it came so early in the season. And you see Texas AM now nine and one with a great SEC resume. They have a win over Florida. They would arguably have a probably impressive win over Auburn. And then some other wins over the season that they really controlled, such as these this last week where they won 48-3 to against South Carolina. I'm not sure that you put in a 9-1 Texas A&M over a undefeated Oregon, but the fact that they are an SEC team definitely gives them some favor, whereas Oregon only has six games to get through as a team and is 6-0. and strong enough when you don't even have a ranked team on your schedule to get in over a nine and one Texas A&M that beat a team that right now looks like they could easily be in the playoff picture. Yeah. I mean, as far as the, in the hunt goes, Cincinnati, they're, they're playing great football, but you know, the, the, the AAC never gets any love. So they're in a tough spot. Uh, Pac 12, which is, I don't think the season's long enough for any of these teams to get in, uh, even if even if they're undefeated. You know, uh, no love for Coastal Carolina on here, but they're undefeated. But they're they're definitely not going to get in. BYU, though, I think they should really have a strong case if, for some reason, one of these teams on the left 
if, if two of these teams on the left end up having two losses. Because I would think, you know, I they, this would be the year where you could put an undefeated BYU team in over an undefeated Pac-12 team if, you know, you see an instance where one of these other teams on the left here get two losses. Because the big BYU is playing right now. Uh, the games aren't even close. Uh, they destroy Boise State, which was a top-ranked team in the country. And I think right now, how do you not have Zach Wilson as the Heisman Trophy winner, Michael? Yeah, he's definitely put together a strong case. And looking at BYU, they have a very interesting situation on their roster. They play on the 21st for their next game, so they got to wait 12 days to play Northern Arizona. And then they wait another 21 days, and then they play San Diego State. And then after that, they will see what happens in the bowl selection or college football playoff selection. Uh, They've had no reason to really, you know, not look strong to anyone that's picking from the committee. But at the same time, it's just that power five bias that kind of overlooks these G5 schools and BYU is one of them. And that's a sad case of it, but it's just how it is. And, it, it would have to take a lot of dominoes falling in their favor in order for them to get in. I think you need Texas A&M to blow probably like the Auburn game. You need Oregon to lose a random game in the Pac-12. And I think you'd need Cincinnati to lose one as well. And then once that happens, obviously you need some of these five teams over here on the left to blow some games to where there's an open spot. And then that's where BYU could potentially have a case. But this would have been the perfect year to to do an eight team playoff. I know in the in the past they say, oh, we don't do we can't do that because you know, the, the fans can't travel, um, you know, and that it's just too much. But there's there's no fans at the games this year, so just think about how great an eight team playoff would be this year. Uh, you, oh, the five, uh, you know, Oregon would get in, or whoever wins that. You still get it. The Pac-12 winner gets in, and then you're going to get like Cincinnati or BYU. They get their chance. This is this would be a perfect. This would have been the perfect time to try it out. Oh, just like MLB, they expanded their playoffs to 16 teams. So, so it's one year only thing. And then if it works, like MLB did, they're gonna they try to expand it, and you, you, the networks would love it. So this this would have been a year that I would have said on the fly. All right, let's try to we'll try to do we'll try to go to eight teams because. It would, it would have been really fun this year. Uh, A&M, though, is really an interesting case here, especially if, if Florida or Alabama loses uh, again this season before facing off with each other. Uh, but do you think there's any chance that a one-loss Big Ten team that loses to Ohio State in the championship game could get in over a, you know, one or two loss, Alabama or Florida? Uh, if they have one loss, I'd say no. But if they have two losses, I think there's definitely a chance. And more on your point for the G5 thing, uh, with all the undefeated teams potentially expanding to eight, whatever, I think there could be a case that there should just be a uh, G5 bracket this year for a college football playoff. Obviously, it may feel like a little bit of an insult to some of these teams that they think they want their chance at the Power Five schools, but a uh, conference turn like a little tournament style four team team four team bracket where 
we get Cincinnati, BYU, Coastal Carolina, and Liberty, uh, potentially Marshall if they're undefeated, potentially a MAC team if they're undefeated. They got only one week of action, so we don't know. Same with, like, Mountain West. But if we could get, you know, Coastal Carolina versus Liberty, BYU versus Cincinnati, it would be absolutely insane football to watch. I think a lot of people would tune in to see it because it's just such high stakes, even though it's at a uh, quote-unquote low level of football. So I think, uh, you know, if they, if there's anything where they're like, wow, we just have so many options at the G5 level and none of these guys are doing it, I don't know. I, I'd love to see some sort of some sort of compensation for how robbed they seem to be getting because Liberty totally. has put together a great case and they're still only – being ranked in at number 22 right now is what I'm seeing in the coaches poll, which is ridiculous when they have wins against Syracuse, uh, Virginia tech, and then they have games on the schedule like North Carolina state and coastal Carolina still to come. They have put together a great season and have looked absolutely strong in all their outings. It seems, and it just hasn't fallen in their favor in terms of rankings. I mean, look at UCF, they got screwed. So, you know, yeah, we'll continue to see that trend. Uh, on BYU, though, if Wilson wins the, the Heisman, he's got to go. He's got to go pro, right? Don't you think? Or do you think he he needs to do another season like Herbert to really secure a first round pick, perhaps? Uh, I don't think he needs the season, but I could see him definitely coming back. From what I've heard, there's a there's a lot of indication that he could very easily come back, and not a lot of people would be surprised. He has, uh, I think, I think he has some stuff that personal reasons, religious stuff like that, that right. he would want to return and finish out his schooling there at BYU. So um, I could easily see this guy going to next year and being part of that class where he's immediately touted as probably QB one by a lot of people uh, next year. There's guys that are good in the class, but there's not really an established quarterback one. There's hype for Kadan Slavis, Sam Howell, and other guys, of course. But there's no to his brother going to be making his to his brother maybe makes his case next year as well. Definitely, but there's definitely the opportunity to be QB one in that class if he were to return and have another phenomenal year. Obviously, so I could see him deciding to really pass on this year's class and stay for one more year at BYU especially on a shortened season where arguably they've put together such a great year and aren't getting the respect they deserve in rankings for a lot of people. I could see him saying, let's have a full season. Let's have a full go with this and see what we can do and really try to capitalize on that chance to potentially bring a playoff appearance to BYU. He's and a draft prize there. No doubt about it. hundred percent. Look at that tonight's game. Monday night football. Patriots, Jets, and typically in this scenario, you say, wow, the Patriots are going to blow the Jets out. Uh, I do think the Patriots win, but I think it's only like a 10-point game. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly one, too. Uh, maybe you get like a 20-10 game, something along those lines. Uh, I, I just don't like, you know, until Cam Newton, you know, could break it off again here and the Patriots could put up a lot of points. Uh, not 100% confident in them, but the Jets are, are abysmal. But, you know, Joe Flacco's playing, so you, know, you never know there what's going to happen. I'm going to say we get a 17-9 uh, to game with the Patriots winning. 
Uh, right now, just both offenses aren't operating to where they sh- like need to be in order to be successful at the NFL level. The Patriots' run defense is not very great, but luckily the Jets' run offense is abysmal. The passing offense has been pretty solid so far, but we'll see what happens tonight. I think this is a great opportunity to see what both teams' young talent has to offer, and that'll be fun to watch. But I think most people that don't have much ties into the game in terms of fandom are just going to have it on in the background and probably focus on something else for the most part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll check I'll check it out. Like, I'm torn because I hate the Jets, and I want them to do so bad, but I do not want Trevor Lawrence to be a Jet. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see uh, what happens there. Uh, and, of course, we got to talk Thursday Night Football, which should be a big game. Titans-Colts, probably one of the better games on paper yet so far this season. Uh, looking forward to that, no doubt about it. Uh, Colts coming off a loss, Titans off a big win. How do you see that game playing out? I think the Titans will control this one. I think you look at just how strong this offense has been performing so far and just how much Desmond King brings to their defense, and it's just night and day right now. And I really love this roster overall, and you know, as they get healthier throughout the year, I think they're just going to get better right now. I don't see the same thing with the Colts. I think a lot of the issues are going to be ongoing. Not a huge fan of Rivers, so as long as you slow down the run, this offense kind of becomes a major issue, and I think the Titans will do a great job of that. The secondary for the Colts and overall just defensive play has been phenomenal. DeForest Buckner is a game changer, but I just, I'm not sure that I think the Colts' offense and defense keeps up with the Titans' good offense and good defense, whereas the Colts just kind of have a good defense. And for me, that's kind of it. All right. Any, uh, any big Mac games you're looking forward to this week? Uh, at the moment, not really, but let me pull it up real quick. See, I have a uh, buddy at Western Michigan that's the starting quarterback. So obviously awesome. watch their game. Caleb Ellaby, obviously quarterback one for whenever he declares, uh, but <laughs> Quarterback for, one for the XFL 2022. <laughs> for the uh, for the games this week, I feel like Toledo Western Michigan is going to be a good game. Both teams have uh, a lot of history behind them that should prove to be a big part of their success. But right now, it's so early to really tell who's the elite Mac t- Mac teams right now. So we'll see what happens. All right, that's going to do it for another great edition here of Destination Draft Day. The road is long, but we're, we're making it there. Uh, lots of crazy stuff going on in the NFL right now, especially with the NFC East, where just like the team's either going to be in the top 10 or they're going to be in the playoffs. But actually, I guess technically, whoever's in the playoffs would also be picking in the top 10 because it goes just purely by record, not by division winners. So uh, it's like that. Really record, but then it's like the playoff teams for the bottom 12 or 14 or whatever. Ah, oh, so if, if, uh, so, yeah, if the NFC East winner gets four wins, they get screwed. They go they go <laughs> to the end of the draft. I was going to say, imagine like, you know, the Eagles, they win four games and they make the playoffs, they win the Super Bowl, and then they end up getting like the fourth pick. <laughs> wow. might see it with the Dolphins this year. They're looking pretty good, but they got that Texans pick that's going to help them out. I'm not about it. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Destination Draft Day, Nick Durst, Michael Rockman. We'll be back next Friday. See you guys then. Thank you so much for watching.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.